Hi, and welcome to Jewish Time, a podcast brought to you by the Atlanta Jewish Times, keeping Jewish Atlanta connected, where our mission is to bring you a timely and interesting conversation with people who connect Jewish Atlanta locally, nationally, and around the world. Hello, welcome to Jewish Time. I'm Jeff Silberblatt. I'm incredibly excited about today's podcast. We're speaking with Aliza Ben Shalom. Aliza, welcome to Jewish Time. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Aliza is famous, not just because she's a famous Jewish matchmaker, but because she's part, the central part, of a show that's on Netflix that's been getting all sorts of great reviews for the last couple of months. I want to talk about a whole bunch of things. And to be honest, Aliza, I, I want to focus on you. But I first have to ask, how did the Netflix show come to be? The Netflix show came about because there was a show called Indian Matchmaking that the world fell in love with, and they decided they were going to renew that show after season one, and IPC, the production company, went back to Netflix. They were the ones that were creating it, and they said, we also want to do Jewish matchmaking. Indian is good. Let's do Jewish. This is a brand. And they said, well... Maybe find us a good Jewish matchmaker and then we'll see if we can do it. And that's how they contacted you? So they contacted me through, actually, this is a matchmaker story. <laughs> One of my matchmakers called me and said, Aliza, this casting company is calling me to do some matchmaking show and I don't want to do it, but you would be good at that. We've been doing webinars and, you know, I put you on the spot. You always have an answer. So I told them to call you. Make sure to pick up. Casting is going to be calling you. And that's how I got the referral to, uh, to make an application for the show. Watching the show, I think it shows that dating today, whether you're Jewish or Catholic or Indian, is hard. So many different influences from the man and the woman, so many wants and needs and likes and dislikes. How, how do you break that down and deal with just doing the job of getting two people together? It's really a good question, and I think that you just hit the spot with it because we're not just bringing two people together. We're bringing two families. We're bringing different communities. We're bringing people together sometimes from around the world. We have different people have different preferences of obviously what they want in the partner, how they look on the outside, who they are on the inside, and we have to take all of these criteria and present them with somebody that's going to be a fit and the person has to look at that person and go yeah I'll pick you forget about the rest of the world right no not you not you not you you're the one I pick you and I find it to be an extremely challenging job because it's not we don't want to be in the position where we're just going to like change and oh I'll just get a new partner if this doesn't work out it's not like a job where we can just switch every couple years ideally we're trying to match people so that they can find the person that they're going to choose to live with for a lifetime so it's it's really a lot of moving parts your business is based in Israel in fact that's where you are today speaking to us for this podcast does the fact that you're based in Israel help you in the orthodox community in the United States it's interesting. I lived in the United States my whole life. We moved to Israel uh, just over two years ago, and it 
actually, I'm going to just say it didn't matter where my business or where I'm located because I do most of my work remotely. I talk to a lot of my clients by phone or by Zoom. And most of my people were in the United States because I was there because sometimes I did speaking engagements there. But now since I moved to Israel, I also do speaking engagements here. I have a world tour and I'm flying all over. So the location doesn't matter so much. I think what Israel did for me was it turned me from just being a local matchmaker in Philadelphia who worked with people to somebody who was international and really works with Jewish singles from across the globe. Tell us about that world tour. Oh, I'm so excited. I have to tell you, I've always wanted to travel the world. And we have five children, thank God, and a dog, and we're settled. And I thought, eh, I missed the boat. If I really wanted to do a world tour, I should have done it before children. But I'm very grateful that I am able to go all around. So I am doing a we're calling it a live matchmaking show in different cities across the world. So we're going to be in Australia, Sydney and Melbourne, Chile, Argentina. We'll be in South America um, doing virtual Zoom ones with South Africa, London, all over the United States and Canada. And it's a kind of like a three-part show. You start out, you get a little bit of my story, specifically with matchmaking, my Jewish journey, and of course, with everything that happened on the show. We have a little Q&A session, so all those burning questions that people have, we answer. And then we literally do matchmaking on the spot. We take two people from the audience that I've never met before. We bring them up on stage, somewhere between two to four, actually. We bring them up on stage and we talk all about dating and I train the audience how to be matchmakers. And at the end of it, I tell them, I'm not making the match. You guys are going to make the match. Nobody's leaving until we come up with ideas. And so far, we've had an incredible response. We always get different match suggestions. And we even just got a message from somebody uh, at one of our shows who said, thank you. Thank you for doing that. Thanks for picking me, for me being on the stage. And I found my person, so stop looking. (laughs) Are you scheduled to be in Atlanta with the show? I was in Atlanta already, and I just have to see if I'm coming back because I think I'm going to 50 different cities across uh, the globe over the next uh, couple of months. So I don't have it off the top of my head, but I'm going to look it up for you. Okay. While you're doing that. Atlanta's filled with (laughs) an amazing amount of single Jews. They're all looking for love, maybe just a companion, maybe someone just to go to high holiday services with. Maybe it's just a fun night out. What's your best advice for single Jews in Atlanta looking to date? So my best advice is to talk to people, network, connect. Do not look at somebody and say, oh, they can't help me find anybody. If there's somebody that is close to you in your circles, if they're a coworker, if they are, I don't care, somebody random that you bumped into at the supermarket that you haven't seen in five years, strike up a conversation, talk to them, let them know you're looking for somebody and pick their brain. See if they know anybody for you. And if they don't know anybody for you, who do they know that they could maybe introduce you to that might know somebody else for you. It's kind of like whisper down the lane. We keep going and going and going with our message until we reach the right person. Hopefully it doesn't get too messed up by the end of the line, but they they get an idea of who you are, what you're looking for, and uh, hopefully they're motivated to help you. Atlanta looks like December 3rd, coming back December 3rd. Oh, that's great. One of your mottos, Aliza, is date them until you hate them. 
And I want you to expound on that because that sounds kind of negative, but I don't think it is. I think it's you saying exhaust all efforts before you decide to either go forward or not go forward at all. Am I right? You're 100% right. Do you want to be a dating coach? (laughs) (laughs) So here's here's the story. It is a catchphrase which has a deep meaning, and I don't want anybody to hate anybody. You must know that. But you will remember that you need to date. You need to be connected to people. You need to build as much of a relationship as you can with them. If it's not going to work out, it's not going to work out. But I don't want people to go in and in one minute, one thing bothers them. And they're like, oh, not for me. Next. Oh, this one. Oh, you know. Oh, they they spoke about a family vacation and they were all negative about it. You know what? Maybe it's the first time that they let their guard down in front of somebody because you made them feel so comfortable. Are they a negative human being? I don't know. Go out with them a few times. Date them till you hate them. See if this is something that we can make a go of or not. And if it's not going to be something, it's okay. We can let go. We can walk away. You've got total clarity. But if it is going to be something or, or if your opinion changes by a third date or a fourth date, something magical could happen and you won't know that unless you actually give them an opportunity to connect with you as much as possible. How long have you been doing matchmaking services? I started in 2007 volunteering doing matchmaking and I developed into doing it uh, through a coaching lens and then I combined everything and I started training matchmakers and coaches so overall it's been uh, over 16 years that I've been in the matchmaking world. And you're not just working with young couples. Are you working with older couples as well? Yes. 20s through... Uh, our oldest client was 89, and she found love. She found what, what I like to call a mystery in her history. <laughs> <laughs> I love that story, and uh, I, I love that phrase, mystery in your history. You know, I'm interested as to how you approach uh, what we would call baby boomers, Generation X, uh, millennials, and now Gen Z. What are the differences in the age groups that you see? So the difference is not only with age, it also matters with status. Are they single, never married? Are they divorced with or without children or widowed, again, with or without children? And also location. So the number one thing that everybody struggles with is finding the right person. And some people... You know, the the way that they fix the problem is by dating a lot of people to see if they can find their person. Other people take the opposite approach and they weed everybody out and they say, no, 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 no. Ooh, this one's good. Okay, I'm going to give this one a chance. So they go on about two dates a year, but they're highly, highly qualified dates, whereas other people can date back to back or even uh, multiple people at one time and try to figure it out and, and try to find their person. But I would say that with Younger daters or daters that are less experienced, they tend to date and look for somebody that is less similar to who they are 
because it's exciting and different to meet a partner that has differences. And daters that are either older or they've had a partner before, uh, they tend to want somebody that's a little bit more similar to who they are because they know living with somebody is going to take a lot of effort. And when you find somebody that's different, it takes even more effort. And if they're more similar, things go a little bit more smoothly. So we find that uh, older daters are a little bit more interested in having somebody that's more like matches like. Okay, I'm going to ask a very personal question. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> so after the first date that you have uh, connected the man and the woman, and then you get the follow-up call, how was the date? How, what, how did you find her? How did you find him? When you get good news, what does that sound like? And do you do the happy dance on the other line, on the other side of the phone? <laughs> So cute, very cute. It's it depends on how excited I was about the date. If I thought the date had a lot of potential and I'm like on pins and needles waiting for them to come back so I can hear the feedback, when I get good news, I do the secret happy dance because I don't want to overwhelm or, or overexcite them. Or they might not even, even though it's good news, they might not be super excited. They might just say it was positive and we had a good time. And I'm like, yes, I knew it. <laughs> but it doesn't come out of my mouth. I, I keep it quiet. And uh, if I'm on a Zoom call, I have to have my poker face. So I work very hard on that. What happens when your kids get to be dating age are you going to help them or are you going to uh fill the role of mom so my oldest is 19 he's going to be entering the army soon he's not up for dating and, and neither are any of my other kids just yet but we've had i mean we have lots of dating discussions and i did ask them uh, because people have asked me, like, are you gonna are you gonna be matchmaker? And my kids are like, yeah. I mean, like, you'll help us. You'll make it easier, right? I said, yes, yes, please. Uh, and one of my kids said to me, they're like, well, I mean, if I can't find anybody on my own, so you know, you'll take care of it, right? I said, yeah, you got it, no problem. So I think they have faith in me. But if they can meet organically or naturally, that works too. What's the attraction for Jewish dating? Um, are, are, are there differences in Jewish dating versus um, Catholic dating, Indian dating? As we mentioned at the top of the show, your show on Netflix was based on an Indian matchmaking show. So faith-based people are very similar. And I have worked with other daters from different religions and when they do have a grounding in their faith no matter what it is it's almost like we speak the same language because we all believe in a higher power we all believe in community in building strong families there's a lot of core foundations that are very similar to us i would tell you that i find that i have more in common with a faith-based dater than i would with anybody who's just not connected at all to any religion. Um, I accept everybody. I love everybody. I can talk to everybody. But in terms of having things in common, I have a lot in common with faith-based daters. And and I find it fascinating. We're, we're all looking to build our family. People are marriage-minded. And they're often much more serious about the dating and relationship process, which I really value. Aliza, give me a 30-second elevator pitch for what makes your services, I'm not going to say different. I, I, I'm going to use the word unique. What makes your services unique in 
finding love? One thing that's unique about our services is that we will not offer straight matchmaking, meaning making introductions only. We will make introductions, but it has to be accompanied by coaching and support, which is another part of the matchmaking process. So for us, it's a well-rounded process. And if somebody comes to us and they're like, well, I just can't find anybody, you know, just send it to me, you know, like they want to swipe through things. Yes, no, yes, no. I said, it's really not how we work. We want to get to know you. We want to understand you. I want who you are and who you want and that understanding to be in my head and I want to take it on as if I'm looking through your eyes to try to find your person. So we work very closely with the people that uh, are our clients and the other piece of it is that we don't even have to be the introducer, okay? There's different types of matchmakers. Introducing two people is one type of matchmaking. Sometimes we are just the coach or the mentor. I would tell you even 75% of the time, we mentor and coach people through the relationship process, and that's how they end up choosing their person and getting married. And had we not done that with them, they would not have made the decision to either continue dating or even to pick that person. And so we are are a very strong guide and mentor throughout the entire process. Who's pickier, Jewish men or Jewish women? Ooh, everybody's pickier. <laughs> That's a very a politically correct answer. But it's true. It just depends which man or woman you ask. <laughs> Her name is Aliza Ben Sholom, and she is the center of a show called Jewish Matchmaking. But most importantly, she travels the world getting Jewish men together with Jewish women. What an amazing conversation we've had. And I want to thank you, Aliza, for taking time for us. Thank you for having me. This is Jewish Time. I'm Jeff Silberblatt. I want to thank you for your time, and we will speak again soon. Thank you for listening to Jewish Time, brought to you by the Atlanta Jewish Times, keeping Jewish Atlanta connected. Go to atlantajewishtimes.com to find insightful articles and subscription information. Send in that question you've always wanted answered to our editor and managing publisher, Kayleen Ladinsky, and she'll answer it on an upcoming episode of Ask Kayleen.